You're listening to Maneuvering Mondays, a podcast about transforming work culture. In this first part of the episode, we follow the fictional story of Marie, who's an HR manager in the edtech company Zebra Apps, as she maneuvers the challenges of transforming their work culture. Marie was late to the flower party. Traffic was slow on the way there, but even when she had reached the freeway, she stayed in the inner lane. She was too distracted to overtake the slower cars in front of her. She parked her car in front of the kindergarten and suddenly remembered that she was supposed to buy blue and yellow streamers for the party. God damn it, she thought to herself. There was no time to do that now. She had planned to do it in the afternoon after work, but instead she had spent time with Anne. The flower party was supposed to celebrate that the Ukrainian refugee kids were transferring from the special circle in the kindergarten to being distributed in the other circles. In the past year, they have been taught by a Ukrainian teacher. Back then, everyone had expected that the war would end quickly. But since the war was dragging on, the urgency of integrating the refugees in the society at large was mounting. Most of the Ukrainian kids had already started playing with kids from the other circles, and they had found common language. As Marie went inside, she met Carrie's mom, carrying a brown bag. Hi, Marie, you made it, Carrie's mom said. Yeah, sorry I'm late. I had an important meeting I had to get out of, Marie said. No worries, we know you work hard, Carrie's mom said. That is when Marie spotted that in the brown bag Carrie's mom was carrying, there were yellow and blue streamers. You've got the streamers, Marie exclaimed. Carrie's mom looked at her with what was not a friendly smile. After the cake competition last year, I now come prepared, she said smugly. Marie was conflicted. On the one hand, she was so relieved that they had the streamers and the kids could have the party as they planned it. On the other hand, she was concerned that she was gaining a reputation as an unreliable mom. A completely unfair description. Marie had taken her fair share of planning playdates and collecting money for flowers when it was time to celebrate a teacher's birthday. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to bring sprinkles for the cake we were entering the competition with, Marie said. Heart sprinkles, Marie, Carrie's mom said. You can't win a cake with just white frosting. The whole theme was hearts. Marie felt like breaking into laughter. This was so ridiculous. The cake competition was meant as a fundraiser for a new playground for the kindergarten. It had been a huge success, and they were preparing to initiate the construction in just a few weeks. The winning cake was sculpted out of modeling chocolate to look like an actual human heart. No amount of sprinkles would have brought their red velvet in the lead. But Carrie's mom was the head of the board at the kindergarten, and Marie wanted to stay on good terms with her. Thank you for having my back, Marie said, and patted her on the arm. Carrie's mom smiled a smile of victory. Once she looked away, Marie shook her head slightly in disbelief of Carrie's mom's priorities. Just then, she heard her daughter's voice shouting, Mommy, you're here! Look at the sunflower I made! Marie saw Allie running down the hallway with a drawing in her hand and sat down with open arms to catch her for a big hug. After Marie had tucked her daughter in that evening, her husband Thomas came home. Hey! He shouted from the hallway. Hey, you! 
Marie shouted back. She kept filling the dishwasher as he washed his hands in the kitchen sink and put some leftovers on a plate to heat up in the microwave. How did your drinks go with the product team? Marie asked. Eh, Thomas said. Can't believe we couldn't have sorted that out via email. Some people enjoy socializing, you know, Marie teased. I enjoy socializing with you, he said, and put his arm around her shoulder. She hugged him and gave him a kiss on his beard. He was taller than her, so sometimes the beard was the most convenient to kiss. I don't want to have to drink beer with people just because they can't communicate with their team, he went on. Marie thought for a moment. Would you say that the technology that you make is the easy part and making the team work well is the hard part? She asked. He looked at her. Then he looked into the distance considering her question. The technology that we make is not easy, he finally said. But I guess that it is true that if I had the time, I could code the whole damn thing myself and it would be better quality than what we sometimes end up with. Hmm, Marie said. Why do you ask? He said. I met with Anne today, Marie said. The Aslo inventor? The one you were obsessing over? He asked. Yeah, we had coffee, Marie said. It made me forget all about the streamers I was supposed to buy for the flower party in Allie's kindergarten. Bet that didn't go over well with, what's her face, Carrie's mom, he said with a laugh. She bought some just in case and brought in, Marie said. Well, then why did you have to do it in the first place, he asked. Marie shrugged her shoulders. Then the microwave beeped and Thomas took his plate out. He sat down at the dinner table. Do you mind if I watch Netflix while I eat? He asked. Knock yourself out, Marie said. I ate with Allie. Thomas stood up and picked an iPad off the shelf and placed it in front of him at the table. Marie finished off filling the dishwasher and started preparing for bed. Sunday morning, Marie was sitting at her kitchen table in her pajamas. Her husband was outside pushing Allie on the swing. On the weekends, Thomas and Marie took turns sleeping in. Allie was hard asleep at 6 a.m. on weekdays when it was time to get ready for kindergarten, but on the weekends, she predictably sprang into action at 6.05. Both Thomas and Allie were dressed in winter coats and hats. Even though it was April, the mornings were cold. Marie was presented with the usual. Another promotion, someone was happy to onboard at companies, so-and-so, a quote from a business book accompanied by a personal story. Marie looked out the window to see that Allie had jumped off the swing and was heading for the slide. She looked back at her phone. A video had started playing, but since her sound was off, it was just the footage. Marie caught a glimpse of something that made her curious. She tapped the video to play it with sound on. Which game is your organization playing? The speaker asked. Followed by intense music and several slides with an explanation of possible games. Night Owls. Plant the flag. True knights. Godfather. Marie paused the video just as the screen had changed to the game of obfuscation. Game of obfuscation. Keeping everyone on their toes and guessing. Rules. Never commit to any truth or course of action. Example. When promising to send out minutes after a meeting, instead send out a loosely related report. If confronted, argue that this was the agreement the entire time. Enablers, a preference for keeping structures loose and not giving each other real feedback to be flexible. Strategy, 
To win, you need to know the truth, but also be able to bend it to your will. Marie opened her mouth and audibly gasped. She felt that red-hot pool of anger inside her stomach bubbling up. This is it, she thought to herself. This is the game that Mark is playing. That is why I feel crazy around him, why he didn't send me the link to where the exit interviews were, just to mess with me, to keep me off balance. Marie looked at who had liked the video. It had several hundred likes. She noticed a face that she knew. Anne Kelly. Monday morning, Marie was once again stuck in the inner lane, driving to work. She was deep in thought and had a hard time doing anything but keeping up with the slow traffic. She thought about the game of obfuscation. The realization that Mark was intentionally creating confusion had flipped everything on its head. Somehow, before this realization, she could assume that he was just incompetent. Not that it helped much, but at least he couldn't help it, and perhaps needed help. Now she knew that he was very well aware of what he was doing. What she didn't know was what to do about this realization. Would she really have to play the same game? Should she start creating an aura of insecurity around herself? That went against everything she knew about leadership. Her PhD had shown that delegating responsibility down in the organization was more critical to financial success than the originality of a company's product. It went against everything that she and her team tried to impart on the organization. Everything she had learned transforming organizations during her time at BCG. If anything, she would want to promote more transparency, not less. But how could she succeed in this game if she did not play by the rules? She thought back to the one note she took after her conversation with Simon. I guess I really don't know what is going on, she thought. Then she thought about her conversation with Anne. Every idle moment during the weekend, her mind went to that coffee shop. She played the conversation over and over again in her head, as if looking for a different path in the maze. What hurt the most was that Anne had accused her of being the reason Paul was disengaged. There was nothing Marie wanted more than for Paul to be present in his job so that they could form an effective HR management team. Development HR and HR operations working closely together. She wanted him to be her partner. In spite of whatever games Mark was playing, no matter what she had tried, Paul just did not want to collaborate with her. He kept his distance, literally. She had tried to set up weekly alignment meetings with him, but he had argued that it was poor use of the company's resources to spend a whole hour of the company's time to meet. After he stopped going to the HR breakfast, she had given up on him. Now she was angry that he had been doing exit interviews without even telling her. If the seven people in HR can't work together, how is the company supposed to function as a unified whole? And how was she supposed to hold HR together, like Anne said she did, if Paul didn't want to be held together with the rest of HR? Suddenly it struck her. Why had Anne wanted to get her thoughts together prior to their conversation? Why did she show up half an hour earlier? What did she write down after Marie had left the coffee shop? Marie couldn't figure it out. What game was Anne playing? If Mark was playing the obfuscation game, what did Anne want? Anne was intent on speaking with Marie even more so that Marie wanted to speak to Anne. Why was that? And why did Anne care about zebra apps at all? Anne had left the company almost a whole year prior. 
Marie's exit came up on the freeway, and she had to break hard and blink her way into the exit lane, losing her train of thoughts, but noticing the gestures aimed at her from the cars neatly lined up in the exit lane. As Marie was walking up the stairs to the floor where her office was, she met Natalie walking down. Marie! Natalie exclaimed. I was just heading to your office. Good morning, Natalie, Marie said. Mark told me about the good work that you have been doing last week. Natalie said, and I am excited to hear more about the culture program you are going to launch. Marie was baffled. The culture program, Marie repeated. Yes, to fix our retention problem, Natalie said. Marie smiled, but could not quite find a face fitting for this situation. That pool of red-hot lava in her stomach was coming to a boil. What had Mark promised Natalie? I'm just happy that it is such an easy fix, Natalie said. I was worried we might have to raise everyone's salaries. Marie kept smiling. I can't wait to see your presentation on Wednesday, Natalie said. You have my full support. Natalie turned around and walked back up. Marie couldn't seem to move out of her spot. She put her laptop bag down on the stairs. Then she sat down on the stairs herself. All right, she thought to herself. Apparently, I have a presentation to create about a culture program that we are launching, and I am presenting that on Wednesday. She could feel her stomach heating up and her jaw clenching. She grabbed her bag and ran up the stairs, heading towards Mark's office. Mark was not in his office. Marie looked around the HR floor. Paul was in his office. Esler was in a meeting with their finance partner. Their recruitment consultant was not in, probably doing interviews on the ground floor. Marie walked past the flyer seats where her team usually sat, but no one was there. As she headed back to her own office, she saw Mark walking down the hall with a cup of coffee in his hand. Mark! she shouted, and picked up her pace, almost setting into a run. He looked at her and smiled a casual smile. Good morning, Marie, he said. We need to talk, she said. Sure, come on in, he said. Don't you want to put your stuff down in your office first? Marie noticed that she was still wearing her coat and scarf. No, let's talk now, she said, and headed straight for his office. She sat down in the chair across from Mark's desk. Mark leisurely walked in and sat down, stretching his legs out underneath his desk. What did you promise, Natalie? Marie cut straight to the chase. Mark looked at her, his lips quivering slightly. I told her about the good work that you have done researching why people are leaving. Mark said, you know, like you and I spoke about in your office, that it is a culture thing. Marie clenched her teeth. And what did you tell her we would do about it? She asked. Mark shifted in his seat. Like we already discussed, you are going to make a presentation about the culture program we are going to make, he said. Marie looked at him and couldn't believe that she had not seen this before. He was bending reality to his will. He was obfuscating. So, we are making a culture program, she mirrored him. Mark suddenly smiled, and his eyes lit up. Not we, Marie. You, he said. You are tasked with fixing our culture problem, remember? Marie felt the pool of lava pouring all the way down to her toes. He was going to make this hard for her. He wanted to see her fail. But she knew that she could not show anger now. Now she knew that was exactly what Mark wanted, to get her off balance. She remembered the post on LinkedIn. 
To succeed in the obfuscation game, know the truth and bend it to your will. When is the meeting on Wednesday? Marie asked. It's the leadership meeting, Mark said. So, 15, as usual. Marie stood up from her chair. She looked Mark straight in the eyes. His eyes shifted ever so slightly from side to side. Then she turned on her heel and went to her office to take her coat off. You're listening to Maneuvering Mondays, a podcast about transforming work culture. Tune in when we invite guests to comment on this part of Marie's journey. Thanks to Tiffany Lamb, our wonderful speaker of the audiobook about Marie from Zebra Apps. What are your thoughts on Marie's situation? Have you had a similar experience? And what would you have done? Join the conversation on our LinkedIn page and let's Maneuver Mondays together.